Well, again, good morning and Happy New Year. And just like as we've been uh, doing with the rest of the service, we have people serving from Green Trails and Kimberly Way to lead us in worship, uh, to serve as ushers, to help us with communion. And so we thought it would be kind of fun uh, for this message if uh, two of the site pastors, from Green, uh, one from Green Trails, one from Kimberly Way, actually team taught a message. And so that's what we are going to, to try and do. And so uh, again, my name is Nick Price. I'm here. I'm a site pastor here at Trinity Kimberly Way. And I'm Dan Grissom, the site pastor over at Trinity Green Trails. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year. Dan, you're looking uh, very dressed up today. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And Nick, you're looking sharp as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, thought I I'd love go- your shirt, by the way. It's really, really cool. I thought I would go casual and ditch the robes. Yeah, so. right. I just decided I'd dress up a little bit. Yeah, nice. Know, Looks so, good. Yeah. Looks good. So. Well, we wanted to talk a little bit uh, this morning about um, the new year. We wanted, we were titling this message, A New Thing, and wanted to begin just with a, a question uh, to start conversation a little bit, and that is, uh, Dan, when you think about New Year's, what do you typically think of? What comes to mind? Well, as I grow older, I don't think so much about the commotion of New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, like about 11 o'clock last night, the fireworks started New York time, and they ended about L.A. time, it seems like. Uh, and as I grow older, I think really more of, uh, well, the blessing of a new year, this promise and, and what God might do in that new year, 2017, and then I get to be a part of it. Awesome. Yeah, when I think about uh, New Year's, I think about fireworks, which wake me up in the middle of the night, and all my kids. Um, but I also think about uh, parties and celebrations, uh, spending time with friends and family. But I also think about uh, resolutions. Um, it's pretty typical in my family, uh, extended family in particular, to talk about what resolutions we're going to be making in the new year. And to ask each other, well, what, what resolutions are you going to be making this year? What's going to change? What's going to be different? And so as I was thinking about resolutions, I decided I was going to do a little bit of research and figure out, well, what are the top five most commonly made resolutions? Well, last year in 2016, ABC7 News did a poll of about 3,000 different households just asking them, what, what resolutions are you making? And they found that these were the top five resolutions that people made for the new year. One was that uh, people would go on vacation and really live life. Another was that they would eat healthier. A third resolution was that people were committing to get fit and get in shape. A fourth was that people would spend less on themselves and actually try to save more and get out of debt. And lastly, a lot of people saying, you know, I want, to, uh, I want to spend less time at the office and more time with my family and my friends, uh, those relationships which matter most to me. Well, Nick, it sounds like the way you're talking about resolutions that in the past you possibly have made a few. Yeah, yeah, I've made resolutions in the past, and um, I'm actually uh, thinking about making one for 2017 as well. Really? Yep. Really? Would you guys like to hear about that? Anybody? I just want to warn you, Nick, if you share your New Year's resolutions with everyone here, that gives us the right to actually ask him how he's doing during the year, right? So you guys listen, take notes, careful notes. Ready? Okay. All right. Okay. So I embrace accountability, so that's fine. I don't mind sharing. Uh, my resolution for 2017 is that I am committing to reading two books each month cover to cover. Oh, so why is that such an important resolution? Because before I had children, and when I still worked with InterVarsity, I found that reading was a really good way for me to grow spiritually and also to grow as a leader. But now that I'm not in seminary and I have three munchkins, that's a discipline that's kind of dropped off uh, recently. And so I wanted to kind of build that back into my life in order to, uh, I don't know, just continue to grow uh, in that way. 
What about you? Have you made uh, any New Year's resolutions in the past or making one for this year? Well, let me just say that uh, in the, because I have lived through a few New Year's, I've kind of given up on New Year's resolutions. They just don't work for me. I, anybody with me on that? Anyone? Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. See there? How about that? <laughs> I'm not alone. Thank you. And, you know, I really think about New Year's, and I think about it this way. I think, you know, well, it, it seems to be a little illogical or maybe um, arbitrary that we would set just like one time a year where we would say, okay, I'm going to do better in these areas. And so I've never really found them to be lasting or to bring lasting change into my life. You know, I think maybe uh, some people think like a, if you take a couple of sips of champagne, right, because that's all we had last night, right, a couple of sips, uh, maybe sing some courses of old anxiety, that it somehow gives us a greater capacity to bring change into our lives. And I just haven't found it to be true. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that raises kind of a good question, right? And that's why do people make New Year's resolutions? Yeah. And as I was uh, thinking about that a little bit, I think it's because sometimes we look, we look back to our previous year. We look back to the past year and we realize that there's some stuff that happened in the previous year that we would prefer didn't happen again. Or we look back to the previous year and we say, you know, this year kind of went this way and I'd really like to, to go in a different direction. I don't want to keep going in the old way. I want to go in a new, a new way. And we see New Year's as kind of like this fresh start, this moment when, when maybe I can, you know, do away with the old and, and start in with the new. Um, but as I was continuing to do research, I think I found that, that that is really, really hard for a lot of people to do. Um, you know, just as there were five commonly made resolutions, there's also a list of commonly broken resolutions. Um, Time Magazine did their own poll in 2016, and they found that, there were, that these were the top ten most commonly broken New Year's resolutions. People made these, and they didn't follow through. And uh, if you're looking at that list, a couple things should start to look a little bit familiar because the five most commonly made resolutions are also the five most commonly broken resolutions. So people commit to losing weight and getting fit, they don't do it. Uh, they commit to eating healthier and dieting, doesn't really happen, at least not very long. Uh, people commit to getting out of debt and saving money, spending more time with family, traveling to new places. and. The sad truth is data statistically has shown that that's not what takes place. In fact, one of the statistics that really jumped out at me from that Time article was the fact that 66% of new gym memberships that are bought in the new year go unused. 66%. That means that people will buy a gym membership and, and two-thirds of them won't show up. Um, and, it's, and that goes for all the other resolutions. People make these commitments and they just don't follow through. So I rest my case. No more New Year's resolutions. Uh, you know, uh, when you think about it, I've actually done some research on this, and I found that only 8% of the resolutions that we'll make this year people will actually keep. Wow. So I've kind of given up on New Year's resolutions. I work out at a, a gym, and one guy that I see there regularly this week, as I saw him, he, he looked at me and he said, Happy New Year, I'll see you next year. And then his eyes got really, really wide, and he looked at me and he said, But watch out. Because the New Year's resolutions are coming. <laughs> Statistics show that by January 17th, that will not be a problem. <laughs> you see, change is hard for us, isn't it? I mean, think about this. It's really hard. And there are so many different things that get in the way of the change process for us. I mean, first of all, just illness. I mean, whether it's a cold or even something more serious, 
When there's that kind of stress in our lives, it creates a tension. It's difficult to focus in on change. But there's also all the other stressors of life, you know, like work, you know, if things start to go haywire there. Or maybe in our families, or, or maybe in our finances. Stress is also a big problem, and it interrupts our capacity, our ability to actually work on change in our lives. But for me, the most serious disruptor of change in my life is that, the couch. <laughs> Anybody with me on that? Notice the remote controls? Yeah, that's it. And so I struggle, and I know we all struggle with the concept of change, the process of change in our lives. How can it actually happen? There is a battle going on in our, inside of us, a battle that makes change difficult. Paul writes about this battle. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. Have I said that phrase many times? I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. This is the battle. I mean, it's this picture, right, of the angel on the shoulder and the devil on the other, the two voices, the two forces that are at work inside of us. And there's a battle. It's like, how can we actually not only hear what we should do, because we know what to do, but actually take action. And yet those voices continue to whisper in our ears and battle. And it creates in us some discouragement and some frustration and even despair. Because we can't change. We don't know how to change. And so the question that we really want to focus on is how can I, how can we truly have a fresh start today in 2017? How can we find real lasting transformation. And I think a lot of the ways that people try to answer that question is they tend to look inside themselves for the answer. They tend to say that the way that I'm going to find transformation, the way that I'm going to have lasting change is by mustering up enough willpower and just getting right into the right rhythm and getting into the right kind of community or process or habits, and that that's, that's what will do it for me. And so for many people, the process of change looks a little something like this. It begins with just this desire for change. Maybe there's something in our lives that prompts us to say, you know, I really do want that to be different. This is something that I want to change in myself or something I want to change in my circumstances. But the problem is, is that oftentimes we, when we're at that stage, we oft, there's often a bit of fear that accompanies that. That we think about a change that we know we need to make, but we, we start to say things, well, no, not me. Um, we're worried about what that change might mean for our lives, for our jobs, for our families, or maybe we're just worried that the change itself will be difficult or painful. And so we, we don't you know, necessarily make that change because we're afraid. But let's assume that, that that desire for change goes a little bit further, goes a little bit deeper. Usually then we move into a, a period of, of contemplation where we start to say, well, maybe. And maybe it's a conversation with a friend or a family member or we read something in the news or we watch something on TV and it kind of prompts a, that desire a little bit. It prods it a bit and we say, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe this is something that I can do. And so then we kind of move into the, to the preparation or the research phase, right? So maybe the commitment is I want to be healthier. I want to start working out. And so in this stage, we start reading up on different workout routines. Maybe we buy that gym membership and we get the workout clothes and the new shoes, right? 
And then from there, it's time to actually put that plan into place. And so we have to take some action. And we start showing up to the workout class and, and things like that. And as we show up and as we're getting involved, we begin to kind of get these little tastes of, of success, right? And we get this, like, picture of what our transformed future is going to look like. And so we get really motivated. That's typically the way people think, you know, change processes work in our lives. But you'll notice something up on this graph, and that's that there are all these little asterisks around that around that image. And that's because at each stage, there is the possibility of failure. Maybe at the very, very first stage, we feel that fear and we never go any further. Or maybe it's that we're in that contemplation stage, we're thinking about it, we're having the conversations, but we never actually do the research or prepare. Or maybe you do the research and we prepare, but we never actually put our plan into action. Or maybe we actually get to the action phase and we start actually going and showing up to the gym and we start to get foretastes of what that changed future could look like. But then, you know, the holidays come along and we don't work out for a week and instead we sit on the couch and eat cookies and drink champagne. And then we get back to the gym and it hurts and it's painful to get back in the routine. I'm speaking from experience. Saturday was painful, okay? I got to the gym on Saturday. That was hard. And we get there and we're just like, man, this is just, this is painful. And we give up. The point is, is that if we're looking inside ourselves to try and bring about change, I think what we realize is that we are working with very limited resources. I was reading a book, it's called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath, and one of the things that they did is they pointed to research, which actually shows that willpower and self-control are finite resources. That human beings only have a certain mental and emotional capacity to stay focused on something before it wears out and they get tired. And so what happens is we look to ourselves and we try to muster up change and it just leads us right back to that question of saying, well, how can I truly have a fresh start? Where can I find? Where, where do I go? And how can I possibly experience real and lasting transformation? And I think the answer is by not looking to yourself. That we need something outside of ourselves to actually bring about the change that we can't muster up on our own. And one of the things that I love is being able to go to Scripture because what we see throughout Scripture is a God who delights in making new things happen out of the old. You know, we spent this whole Advent series looking at these passages from Isaiah, and what they show us is that God looks at our broken world, and he brings something new and beautiful out of it. And in fact, there's this one passage, we read it a little bit earlier, from Isaiah 43, and I just love this verse. Here's what Isaiah says. He says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And the reason I love that passage is because this is what God is promising to do in our world. He's saying that when we, we tend to look at the past and all we can see is all, all of our failures, all of our shortcomings. And God says, don't look to the old ways, look to the new thing that I am doing. That he is a God who delights in doing the impossible. That he can make a way in the wilderness. He can bring streams of fresh water in the dry places and in the deserts. And he says, I look at this old world, this broken world, and I am going to make all things new. You know, he does want to do a new thing in our world. But not just in our world. He wants to do a new thing in us. In us. In you and in, in me. You know, one of my favorite images of transformation is the one Amanda used. 
and that's the one of the caterpillar to the butterfly. Think about it, an earthbound worm becomes a beautiful, beautiful creation that takes flight. And all through the Bible, there's these images, these allusions to transformation of this kind of metamorphosis that God wants to do in us. And my favorite, favorite verse in all of the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's read this together. Therefore, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, I love this verse. Notice it starts with a relationship with God. 27 times Paul writes, in Christ, in Christ. He talks about the relationship as the beginning point of transformation. If we have that relationship, we are new creations, a new creature, a new type of person, because God's Spirit now lives inside of us, and that Spirit empowers change, has already changed us and made us new and forgiven in God's eyes. And if that happens, we can live then as that new creation, confident that the old is gone. Not will go, but it has gone. And we are new. And so our lives then is simply the process of learning to live as who we have been already made to be. Let's look at that process that Nick showed us a minute. Let's say how it might look differently if we're changing according to God's way. You know, it begins with this idea that instead of, uh, you know, well, maybe me or it not me, you know, the doubt and fear that you start with, it begins with this idea, it's not just me. You see, we always approach change on our own or we have a tendency to do that. And God says, no, that'll never work. He says in Scripture, and you've got these Scripture passages listed in your sermon notes card, but he says it's God that works and wills in us so that we might fulfill his good purposes. He does the work. It's not just us. Now, as we take that next step, we find that the asterisk has not gone away. It's possible to stop there in fear and not take the next step. But now it's not failure. No, not not at all. It's forgiveness. And so every time we fail to take a step, what empowers us to get up and do it again and try again is this gift of who we are in Christ, who we are as a new creation. You know, uh, the, the reaction, the second reaction is we contemplate change. In the first example was, well, well, maybe, but not now. Instead of, well, maybe, it's like, of course I can change because God is doing the work. And we think about it, you know, if God is for me, Scripture says, who can be against me? And we go on and we say, okay, now I'm going to prepare. We prepare differently because now it's God doing the work and he's provided the body of Christ to be around us, to support us, encourage us, to pray for us, to hold us accountable. Remember Nick's commitment, all right, right here. Just remember and ask him about it. It will help him. Pray for him. That's the team that you can build for change. That's why we are part of the body of Christ. And that's why we have small groups. That's why Hebrews, the book of Hebrews encourages us to spur one another on to love and good works. Now, as that plan comes to fruition, as it begins to get acted out, we find it, it's not, it's not I'm going to do this. It's let's do this. Let's let us do it together as God provides and scripture says, I can do all things through 
Christ who strengthens me. Christ, obviously the spirit in us, but also the body of Christ working with us. And we begin, we can experience real, lasting transformation. Because Jesus himself said, he said these words, he said, he said that with God, all things are possible. Now, the most amazing thing about God's way of transformation is forgiveness. Because it empowers that change. It says that if you fail at any point, instead of discouragement, you just get up and try again. You know who you are. You know you're a loved child of God. And forgiveness is what really empowers true, lasting change in our lives. Yeah, that's what I love about uh, forgiveness as a gift that God gives us is because God's forgiveness isn't like the world's forgiveness. You know, the world's forgiveness, when something goes wrong, we say, ah, oh, you know, no big deal, don't worry about it. But what God tells us with his forgiveness is that his forgiveness actually is a fresh start. I mean, one of the things that I love is this passage from Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. It says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that means that when I mess up, when I fail, God's grace can make me new each and every single day. Because the problem with me isn't just that I have a limited supply of willpower. It's the fact that, as Dan said earlier, I've got this war. I actually fight against the change God wants to bring. And yet, in his forgiveness, he lets me know that I am loved and that he is with me. His mercies are new each day. Actually, this is something we talk about at home, that when we have a particularly rough day with our kids, as we're going to bed that night, we tell them, we said, hey, well, you know, I know we had a rough day today. But guess what? Tomorrow's a new day. It's a fresh start. You can start again with Christ. And that's not just for our kids. That's for you and for me as well, that we know that when we mess up, when we fall short, when we, when, when we actually sabotage the change that God wants to bring, God can actually forgive us, renew us, and give us a fresh start through Christ. I mean, that's what Lamentations is really talking about. It's resting in that mercy and that grace and his faithfulness, which is new each day. That's actually what brings about change and transformation in our lives. And that also kind of points us to the fact that for God, change and transformation is important. It's very important. And there's a couple reasons why change is important. And there's this uh, verse from Titus 2, 11 to 12, kind of shows us what those, the reasons that change is important to God. Here's what uh, Paul writes to Titus. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. There's a couple things about change here that, that Paul is saying. The first and foremost is God desires to free us from sin. Okay, God loves us right where we at, uh, right where we are at, but he loves us too much to leave us there. Okay, God wants to set us free from those things which enslave us, those ways of living that ultimately are putting us into bondage, that are ultimately not bringing um, life and, and abundance in, in our lives, the, those things that are really kind of driving us down. He wants to free us for the abundant life that Christ wants to give us, and he wants to free us for that now, today. In our present day and age. But the second reason that change is important to God is because it actually strengthens our faith. That as we walk with God, as we rest in his faithfulness and we, and we rest in his promises to bring about changes, we begin to experience that change, those little steps. It actually strengthens our faith. We know that God is faithful to keep his promises. That it's not about us, it's about him working in us. But lastly, the third reason that change is important to God is it actually empowers our witness. I mean, one of the things about that 2 Corinthians verse that, that Dan read earlier is that 
Paul goes on to say that the reason we're new creations is because we've been reconciled to God, and now we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That it's our job to go out and let other people know that they too can have a fresh start with God through Christ. But if they're looking at our lives and we're talking about having a fresh start, but we're not living that we're having a fresh start, they start to wonder, is God actually able to help me have a new beginning? And so change matters to God. He wants change and transformation in our lives because, yeah, it's good for us, but it's also good for the people to whom he's sending us. That's the beauty and the power of change, and that's a gift that he wants to do in our lives through Jesus. You know, the power of change, the importance of change, was illustrated in my life when my mother received a terminal cancer diagnosis. It was... Uh, just a couple months later that she would pass away, but of course I wanted to have a conversation with her. I wanted to say, how are you? How strong is your faith? What are you thinking? I wanted to encourage her in any way. As I sat down with her, I said, how are you doing, Mom? She said, well, I'm afraid I haven't been a very good Bible student. And I thought about that for a minute. I realized that there was great fear there. I mean, she was afraid at this point. This is a woman who was very, very uh, strong in her faith and, and practicing her faith in church. And yet at that moment, Satan was trying to steal away who she is in Christ. And she was worried that she had not been able to conquer that devotional habit. She was not able to do that work. And so I said, Mom, I said, let's just think about this for a minute. I said, said here's God and here, here you are. How does he see you? She said, well, I think you see someone who wasn't a very good Bible student. I said, Mom, you're forgetting something. Because when God looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of Christ. And he sees a perfect, forgiven, new creation child of God. I wanted to encourage her so much with that. And she looked at me and she goes, I knew that. <laughs> I know, I know you did. She that's just it. Satan wants to steal that from you every day. And when he steals it, he removes the power of forgiveness, it makes change just that much harder. And that's why this whole process of change, God's way, is so important for you <laughs> and for me. And so, in kind of wrapping up the message, we want to talk about well, what is it what does it actually look like to fix our eyes on Christ, to rest in his faithfulness and those mercies? And so um on your uh, Connect card, there's actually a couple of action steps that you can take. And, and in a couple moments, like I said, after communion, we're going to fill that out. But we want to walk through those steps with you guys for just a moment. First next step that we want to offer this morning is this one. We remember that God's mercies are new each day. And so we are asking you to ditch your New Year's resolutions. If you've made a New Year's resolution, just ditch it and instead adopt new day resolutions. Okay, remember that God's mercies are new each day. So if you mess up, if you stumble, if you fall short, remember his mercies are new each and every day. And remember that you need a team. God is part of the change process, and so is the body of Christ. That's why we think small groups are so important. But you need other Christians encouraging you, supporting you, praying for you, holding you accountable, so you can live a transparent life. So whatever change that you're wrestling with, remember to build a change. Another thing we want to offer is to remember who you are in Christ. And a really good way to do that is to memorize that passage from 2 Corinthians 5.17, that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's, that's for you. 
And so we're asking you to memorize that. Let that sink deep into your heart and, and, and into your mind so that each day you wake up and you know who you are in Jesus. You know, I remember my mom's experience. You need that verse because you've got to remember the action. You've got to remember that you are forgiven. You've got to remember who you are. That the failures will come. Change is hard. And you're going to make a mistake. And you're, going to, you're not going to be able to take a step at times. But that's not the end. That's just the beginning. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T-L-C, the number four, and the letter U.org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.